Hello and welcome to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. I'm Helen Perry and we chat here about how to promote your work on the internet. I'd like to persuade you to take up more space and make more money. Our guest today is 100% in the business of building the confidence you need to do that. She's on a mission to give a million women the tools they need to thrive. 90% of the stories that you have been told and the things you think about your confidence and the confidence of others is not true. We are taught that it's something you're born with, it's something you just have. We're taught that it's a destination. You know, I'm like working towards getting more confidence. Once I get some, I'm gonna do this. That's not how it works. Lauren Curry, OBE, is a feminist entrepreneur and speaker, TEDx speaker, and is the founder of Upfront, a six-week online course that helps women see and use their power. Thousands of people worldwide have already been through the programme. Lauren's got 12 people working for her on Upfront now, and it runs several times a year with the bold goal of eventually reaching that million people. In this brain-stimulating chat, we talk about Lauren's own confidence, about women and the internet, about earnings and Instagram. Lauren comes from Ayrshire and lives in Sweden with a man from Merseyside. So I started by asking her, how come? I first came to Sweden probably 2013, 2014 through work and just fell in love with the whole Scandi vibe, their way of life, the aesthetic, their passion for gender equality. And then through those visits to Stockholm, I had regular visits to Stockholm and, you know, I wasn't as good a feminist then as I am now. So I thought to myself, I need to bag a Swedish man and that will help me get to Sweden, which, you know, a horrid thought, of course, that I would never have nowadays. And saw this beautiful guy online on a dating site, beard, really tall, long hair, waving a Swedish flag. And we started chatting and I thought, this is it. This is my man that's going to get me to Sweden. And he was a scouser. So (laughs) (laughs) that bit didn't work out. But he had just come back from living in Sweden for two years. He did his master's here in Uppsala in the north. And, you know, we fell in love and realised we both loved Sweden and always had a kind of idea between us of, if we're lucky enough to have a family, we would really love to bring our children up in in Sweden. And then I think there was a few circumstances, primarily the UK's pol- political scene and government deteriorating rapidly was the kind of final push we needed to say, like, let's try and make this happen. And we got here with two weeks to spare because two weeks later, the Swedish government changed the rules because of Brexit. So now you can only move to Sweden if you've got a job with a Swedish employer, where, of course, we both work for my company. We don't have a Swedish employer, so we just made it in time. So we're feeling very lucky to be here. I I enjoyed that story very much. I'm going to get back to work, though. Lauren, confidence is your business now. What I'm going to start with that C word. What is confidence for you? How do you put your finger on what it is? Yes, so confidence for me is is about trust. It's about trusting yourself and knowing 
how to behave, what tools to draw on in different circumstances to get other people to trust you. And that can be from a marketing perspective, of course, what we talk about here, when you need your customers to trust you, when you need your investors to trust you so that you can get what you want, through to when you need your kid's teacher to trust you because you need them to take you seriously and listen to what you're saying, through to a conversation you might have with a doctor, a conversation you might have with your partner, uh, to being on stage in front of thousands of people. So it's very much about trust for me is how I define it. And why do you think that women tend to struggle with it more than men do? Because since a very early age, girls are rewarded for diminishing themselves. So we learn from a very young age that we will get praise, get, you know, whether that's praise, chocolate, whatever that looks like in our in our small childhood lives. Good things happen when we keep the peace, when we stay small, when we don't cause a fuss, when we don't rock the boat, when we don't show how clever we are. A question I always ask the women I work with is, what is your earliest memory of trying to hide your cleverness? And everybody has a story. And boys don't have that memory, not in the same way. So it's a consequence of our very patriarchal, systemically racist and just society that means only certain types of people are invited to be confident. And the confidence that we reward and we celebrate is a very narrow, fixed view of a confidence that is white, masculine, extroverted, usually American, and if we don't fit that version of confidence, we're told we're doing it wrong. So we're either told we're too much or we're too little. We need to do more, we need to do less. And the message is very centred on the individual. Like, you, Helen, need to fix this thing in you. And that is the problem that my business exists to solve. Because it's not a problem that is in you, it's a problem in society. That's why our chat line is about changing confidence, not women. Women don't need to change or fix themselves in any way, but we do need to recognise we are trying to thrive in a system that was not built for us to thrive. And the system is working exactly as how it was designed to. Just turn on the TV and you can see on every channel the people who get power, what they look like, what they sound like and what they do with that power. And that's what I want to change. Oh, Lauren, this is all so meaningful when you relate it to what I do, which is working with people who very, very often are reluctant about showing their face in the world, of even believing that what they have to say or teach or sell or do is worthwhile of taking up any space of, you know, who am I to say this? You know, is this really different or better or, or worth sharing? We don't realise the, the load of things we're trying to get off our chest before before we can put ourselves out there and just talk about what we want to talk about, what we're passionate about, what we sell, what we do, our work. Where does your passion for this topic come from? How has this become your job? You know, the short answer is it took me six years for this to be my job. So I found it up front in 
2016 and I went full time 12 months ago. So it was six years of side hustling alongside my other businesses. I think the context to that is, you know, I set up my first business in 2008 and I've built multiple businesses all in and around kind of social progression since then. And the kind of red thread throughout all of that work has been the story that you just replayed back to me too, constantly being surrounded and witnessing women not trusting themselves. And it started, as many businesses do, with a very personal experience of mine, where I was in the very lucky, privileged position where I'd get asked to go speak on stage and be on amazing podcasts and all sorts of great things. And I was just very naive and didn't understand why I was always the only woman in the room, why I was the youngest, why I was the only person with a regional accent, the only person that didn't go to private school. Everybody was white. And I was, you know, wasn't thinking about feminism, not really. Definitely wasn't thinking about anti-racism. Didn't understand that this is an intersectional, deeply, deeply complex problem. But I did understand it was driving me batshit and I had kind of used up all my tokens of complaining to complain three times, then you need to try and you need to try and fix it. And the first kind of iteration of me trying to fix it was the upfront sofa, which was a big red couch that would come on stage with me when I gave a talk, so that people with stage fright could just chill out, put their feet up on the couch and realise. It's really not that scary. Nobody dies. Like, it's fine. Audiences are nice. And your breathing will slow down. And everything's okay. And that was a huge success. You know, we ended up, we had 500 people sit on the sofa all over the world. And then that, you know, through my, because my background's design, I studied product design engineering. So my design, nearly design training, has taught me to prototype, kind of test and learn. So it's been constantly evolving, you know, then it evolved into workshops, then it evolved into workshops and programs for businesses. And now it's evolved into what is our flagship product, our six week online course. And 12 months ago, I decided, and it was a very difficult decision, which is really weird for me even now, because it's looking back, it's like a no brainer. And it's funny because everybody around about me and my family and my friends were like, uh, yeah, like we saw this coming three years ago. But I, I had a lot of fear, you know, I think because I care about it so much and I knew it was the thing that gave me the most joy, gave me the most purpose. It was the thing with the biggest potential. It was safer to keep it as this, oh, it's just this like really nice, cool thing on the side. Whereas if I if I bring it front and centre, and I don't have a co-founder, all my other businesses have had a co-founder, it's just me. It's like if I choose to bring it front and centre, give it my full attention, if it doesn't work, that was a scary, that was a scary thought for me. And there's lots of lots of things in there to unpack as to where that fear came from and kind of how I got over it. But ultimately I think I, it just took time. It took me a long time to trust myself, to trust the market, to trust the feedback. And, you know, now there's 12 of us working on Upfront. We've had over 1,200 graduates. 
We've got, you know, Bond Sex, our next programme starts in a couple of weeks. 261 people have signed up. Our impact through the roof. It's like all the numbers are going in the right way. Of course, it's bloody hard work, as you know, but it's great. And I'm, yeah, it's my job now, which I'm really proud of. I just want to draw out the colour red because you mentioned the red sofa. As I sit and look at you now, you've got a shelf of red books behind you. If you were to go onto Lauren's website, it's red, it's red, it's red. Uh, And you have a design background, so that's not an accidental colour choice for you. Why red? So I think it's so funny because people always ask, like, what's the strategy? What was the brand strategy behind the red? And the story is, you know, I think I was... 1920 I was on the way to the airport on the way out the door to go and do my first proper internship in Amsterdam with a design company and I guess this was 2004 or something so when kind of blogging was a thing and I thought shit I should make a blog just so I can keep note and keep a diary of like what I'm working on what I'm learning very much just like just a personal thing for me And at that time, red was my favourite colour, which I think is just a very personal, like it really does have a physical effect on me. It like gives me a buzz. I love it. I always have done. And I thought, right, I'll, and I was on my phone. I thought there's two domains. I could have red jotter or red pencil. So jotter is like the Scottish word for a for a notebook so those are the notebooks you can see behind me and I remember I called my flatmate at the time who's also a designer and said you know I've got red jotter or red pencil and he was like definitely choose red jotter so that was that red jotter.wordpress.com and I needed an avatar picture and like many of your clients and many of the women in the bond the thought of it being my face made me want to die inside to never return so I chose a photo of my fingernail with red nail varnish on because I always wore red nail varnish and it kind of evolved my blog moved you know for a long time it was only my mum and my professors at uni that read it and my mum would message me saying you've got a spell mistake or you've not blogged for a few days is everything all right and then I think because service design the kind of discipline that I was working in was so new at that time a very emerging field, my blog kind of became a bit of a central news resource for people interested in this discipline. And one day I I was at an event and somebody came up and said to me, are you Red Jotter? Because she saw my nails in my notebook, Dawn McGeeky, she's listening. And that was such a, I had like a, whoa, what, like, that was a very kind of pivotal moment that I remember. And then there was another moment where I was talking to someone really senior and fancy in the industry. And he said to me, knowing me as Lauren, the person he was talking to, do you read read the Red Jotter blog? And I was thinking, he doesn't know that that's me. Because I built it in a way that was very kind of behind this Red Jotter identity. And so that's where it all began, if you like. And then I've always... I feel lucky in a way because I think to have such a to have such a strong reputation if you like around a color makes things quite easy for me like I you know it's 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 
it's felt easy to to make it consistent and to continue it and it's changed shape a bit you know for a while I was really into tartan and it was red tartan you know now up front I'm having conversations with people who know more way more about brand than I who are like you know the red's quite limiting like we need to we need to start moving and I'm like what do you mean because of course it is a very strong color it's not everybody's cup of tea and you know there's accessibility things there and you know now we're building a proper global organization we need to to widen our color palette um but yeah I do I really do love red I think it's a really good uh, takeaway that, you know, amongst all the dithering that I try and help people with quite often, quite often it can be something around like, oh, I don't know what colour my like brand colour should be. I don't know this or that. And it's stopping me from sort of getting my website done. Like just choose something that you have a response to, something that feels like you, something that feels right for you. And then, you know, you're sending out the right smoke signals, I think, uh, and don't overthink it. I didn't realise you'd been kind of sharing online for so long. I didn't know that you blogged, but I do know that you, you know, you tweet, you've done YouTube, you are mostly on Instagram now. I, I might be wrong. You hinted that you weren't initially comfortable with being out there on the internet, but are you totally comfortable with that now? Oh, is, is anybody ever totally comfortable? I mean, I'm definitely, yes, I am comfortable. It did take me a while, you know. It was only, I think, three years ago... I started using stories. I was very, like, against stories. Very strange. You know, I really remember I, like, consumed so much of your content because I remember getting to a stage where I was, like, I just, like, I was intellectually convinced. It's like, I do need to do this now if I want to build my business. And I even made a video about why I was, you know, why I was so scared to make videos and to, to do lives and... Now it's very second nature and I do it all the time and I love it and I know that I'm lucky that I have a learning style and a personality that it fills my cup rather than drains me and I know for a lot of people that's not the case and it's it's exhausting. You know, I know that's something that you're also thinking critically about around like the bigger picture of what it means that we are kind of setting a norm that if you want to build a business you need to be all over the inter- all over the internet lip syncing and shimmying and and there are feminist debates to be had around that as well because I probably I probably don't get this right I persuade people to you know put 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 your face put your face on camera do what it is but alongside that goes you know hand in hand with a smile for the cameras make everybody feel comfortable be nice be likable which is exactly the stuff that you said at the beginning of the conversation actually negatively impacts on our confidence like we don't you know we don't want to take up too much space be too loud be too much of this on the internet so it's a really I mean it's sticky for me I don't totally have it clear I'm definitely I definitely feel like uh, you know with a platform like Instagram the need to put more and more and more and more content into it and do almost more and more extreme things or expose emotional feelings that you might not because just to get a response is is pro- that problematic do you find that yeah 100 percent. and I don't think anybody's figured it out you know I think Instagram is is a toddler in terms in terms of its lifespan the internet itself is still very young and we are the generation that's stuck in this messy middle of building businesses online you know the era of influencers and 
the Geordie Shores and celebrity, the kind of celebrity status of people who live their lives online. And I think it's, I'm genuinely super curious about it. And I think the thing that we must do is exactly as we are now. It's like asking the questions and being self-aware, checking in with ourselves and each other on, is this is this the right thing? What are our motivations here? And I am so kind of hopeful when I see, you know, the rise of people with huge platforms like who are disability advocates, who are people living with chronic illness, who are people in polyamorous relationships. You know, I genuinely think that is incredible and so exciting. Like when I see those people and I look at my son who's four, I think he's grown up in a world where that's normal and accessible and these people have a voice and they are listened to and you know that's the good the good side that we see and I see of course the the negative side is there is so much for me I think there's so much falseness like so much of it is not real and I think when you see the stats like the latest one I saw on young girls start to wish they were thinner aged six and that just scares the shit out of me it's like that is terrifying and we know and Instagram knows and all the men who are billionaires who own all these platforms know that and they are doing nothing about it and they don't know what to do about it from six-year-olds wanting to be thinner to women getting death threats on a daily basis and there's there's no it's, it's scary. If you can imagine the kind of urgency that, that might, you know, that might be deployed if their profits were affected in some way in terms of fixing an issue with the platform and how and how quickly that might be addressed. Uh, you, it cannot be beyond them to come up with a way of uh, blocking obscene uh, messages, pictures. It just, I just don't believe it's too difficult for them, given what they've achieved in such a short amount of time with technology. Uh, I want to read this statistic to you, actually, just because I came across it this morning and thought it was a good talking point for us. This year's State of the Creator Economy report shows that female creators outnumber male creators by nearly two to one. So that's not just going to be on Instagram, that would be TikTok, etc. However, men were more than twice as likely to earn over $150,000 doing that as a job annually. How much of your work is around money and earnings? I know you used to work directly in businesses. Now the women that you work with, do you talk to them a lot about confidence and cash? Yes, 100%. It's very linked, you know, you look at all the data around women's relationship with money and confidence. The, that word, the C word, is always is always in there. You know, that stat just makes me despair, but I'm also not surprised at all. You know, and I'm also on my own journey with my relationship with money and my money mindset, and I think I'm you know, in a totally different place to where I was even 12 months ago. Like I made my first angel investment this year, which if you'd said to me last year, even that I'd do that, I'd have laughed at you. Like For anybody listening who doesn't know what that is, could you explain what an angel investment is? So an angel investment is when you 
invest an amount of money into a company that's at its very early stages. So raising, you'll hear like raising venture capital, there's lots of kind of phases that you go through. And usually before you raise money from a venture capital firm, they'll do what's called an angel round or a family and friends round. And that's much smaller checks, like £1,000, £2,000. And in exchange for that money, you get a slice of equity so that if and when that company is sold, then you get a return on your money. I was going to say, if you're curious, the the network is called Hermesa, H-E-R-M-E-S-A. And they're an open network. I'm obviously, I've joined and a big part of why I want to join is to show that, you know, somebody who grew up in Ayrshire in Kilmarnock and was the first in our family to go to university and first to build a business and all those things can be an investor. Like, I don't, I didn't know that. I wouldn't have known that growing up. I think there's amazing organisations out there who are really, really doing incredible work to try and get more women into investing. But that's the kind of extreme, that's almost an extreme end of it, isn't it? There's the other end of it, which is spending money on yourself. Like I had a super intense reaction on Instagram a few weeks ago because I went to Barcelona on my own for three days just because... People were like, sorry, what? And I stayed in a fancy hotel and spent money on just things, nice food and wine. And it's been so, I think, especially if you're a mother, it's like this idea of I'm going to remove myself from family life, spend money on myself just because, just for my own enjoyment. It's like radical and I was so struck by, like, the money the money piece of it was the bit that kept coming up. It's like, how could I possibly justify, you know, my business paid for that trip and I was very kind of transparent about that and I know that I'm, that's not a situation that everybody's in and money does play a factor in it, but it doesn't need to be a trip to Barcelona. It can be a, a solo day at your coffee shop or buying the more expensive shampoo or treating yourself to fancy bed sheets because you're going to sleep in them every night you know and and I tell you what once you've done it once um you'll find you get used to it I think with that kind of thing listen to continue to pay for these kind of things for yourself uh you have to market your work you have to tell people about it in order to sell it in the notes I sent to you before we chatted I said what kind of marketing personality are you does that question make sense yeah and it was funny because I was like oh nobody's ever asked me that before and it's a funny thing because I genuinely I think it's only probably been out of like probably 15 years around that of working online, blogging, tweeting, writing. I think it's probably only been the last two or three years that I've understood that that was marketing and that a lot of what I do instinctively and naturally was marketing. Whereas I always kind of thought about it in my head as working in the open. I was like, I want to work in the open like let people see what I'm working on what I'm thinking about what I'm doing so I'd never been asked that question before and I thought of course the people who follow me and consume my content are the best people to answer that question so I wrote down before I asked them 
open and honest. And the, the feedback they gave me was open, honest, warm, direct, fun, and red. <laughs> and I was like, cool. I love two things that I think I'm going to end up repeating to lots of people but working out in the open is such a is such a, a simple way to think of that like that question that people was like what do I put on my Instagram stories I don't know like what do I put on there just show them what you're doing today and what's interesting about it and just the tiny things that might have sparked your your interest uh, and then yeah if you're not sure really what you stand for or, or how you know how you're being received then just ask <laughs> and people will be happy to tell you can you explain to me Lauren what a bond is because when you work with people you work in groups called bonds what does that mean I have not heard that word before so a bond is the collective noun for a group of women and our six-week course runs in cohorts so each cohort is a bond so we have ran five cohorts so there's people in the world who'll say I was in the second bond I was a fifth bonder whatever that whatever group they were part of and then we have Global Bond, which is our membership community. So after you do the course, you graduate into our membership community. And we welcome all women, non-binary people. Bond six starts starts shortly. So that's what a bond, that's what a bond is. We want to support one million women and non-binary people with their confidence, their visibility, and their power by 2023. The way we were thinking about it was this. If everybody who does our programme then has a conversation with 10 people and everybody who's in our global bond has a conversation with three people on a weekly basis, because that's a much more consistent, they're in there every week all the time. Then we've just launched a podcast. We've had like 4,000 listeners there and I've got about 50,000 people listening to me across all the internet places. So when you do that and kind of, forecast it forward I don't know what that final sum is and I should know because that would be a sexy answer to your question but I know that we can do it it's what matters finally give us a little flavor of how you teach or guide people in your bonds how can a person begin to discover the confidence within them or start to make changes in the way other people see them when they feel they don't have that at the moment? Yes, yeah, so our bond programme is is built upon three main tenets. And the first is that not one woman experiences lack of confidence and self-doubt the same. Oppression plays a huge part in this, in this conversation. The second is that community is core to nurturing confidence your the course will build your confidence but it's the community that nurtures it as it ebbs and flows and the third is totally untangling and reshaping how you think about what confidence is and where it comes from and how you get it because all of the stories or I would confidently say 90% of the stories that you have been told and the things you think about your confidence and the confidence of others is not true. We are taught that it's something you're born with. It's something you just have. We're taught that it's a destination. You know, I'm like working towards getting more confidence. Once I get some, I'm going to do this. Like that's not, that's not how it works. And a big piece of it is about 
privilege and power in recognising that women are not an homogenous group. Women are no more equal than men and women are. And white women in particular have got a huge amount of work to do around if I'm going to increase, increase my confidence, get closer to power, earn more money, do more good in the world, how am I going to do that in a way that benefits women who suffer from more discrimination and prejudice than I do? Lauren, thank you so much for your time. I truly hope that perhaps I've helped some people find you. That might help them find a more confident way of living. Thank you so much, Helen. It's been really fun. Thanks again. And thank you for all the work you do to help women put themselves and their ideas in the world. I really appreciate you and your work. Okay, so if you're listening to this on the first week of broadcast and are a bit interested in the Upfront course, then the next bond is starting work on the 6th of June. Lauren's given me a discount code to share with you, Helen Perry, all capital letters. It's written in the show notes and you can find a link there as well if you'd like to check out the course. This is not an advert. There's nothing in it for me in terms of a kickback. If you decide to do Upfront, Lauren just offered in case anyone is interested. Let me know what you think of that episode and where you are on your confidence journey. Mine has grown with every step of my business and with each decade of my life. I definitely act more confidently than I did, but I wonder whether I'm still nowhere near where I could be. Anyway, share the episode with your friends and help new people find the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. Thank you always for listening. Bye. Bye.